the voice of reason, the voice of alarm, the voice of stats, the voice of scouts, the voice of Kool-Aid, the voice of dismay, the voice of Davo. Well, for my money, the best game of the 2016 season so far, with all aspects firing for the Royals, just the second time that's happened, truly. The Saturday against the Twins, and tonight you saw the pitching, the defense, the offense, and the Royals hold the Astros to two runs for the third straight night and also win for the third straight night. Six to two, and it's Davo fired up on this Thursday night edition of your dish on Clubhouse Conversation. Glad you are along for another edition. We're going to look at the Oakland A's and break down the three pitching matchups coming up here in eight to ten minutes. But first, we began by talking about this beauty of a game. And three main things to talk about tonight. Three guys in particular. Ian Kennedy, Eric Hosmer, Alcides Escobar. And let's begin with our player of the game, Ian Kennedy, who was... On fire again, second straight start. He did it against the Twins, and he said, okay, let's see him do it against somebody a little bit better. And for my money, yeah, the Houston lineup is not swinging it quite yet, especially some of the guys like George Springer, Carlos Gomez in particular. And, you know, Correa is going to continue to get, you know, hot, get better, do more damage throughout the season. We saw Altuve do a decent amount, especially with extra base hits tonight and throughout the series. But Kennedy answered the call, did it again, and in – a ballpark that does give up some home runs there to left field, especially. And Kennedy did get the aid of a couple deep flies to center where there is a lot of space out there. But, I mean, great outing from Ian Kennedy. Seven innings, allowing one run on two hits. He matches the Ks with the innings. Once again, seven Ks in those seven innings. Walks two. And, of course, the no-hitter threw five before Carlos Gomez let off that sixth inning with a single. And speaking of that sixth inning, that's when the play was made. By Eski. And it's funny when one individual guy, let alone your team, but one individual guy, you have to wonder, is that his best play? When he makes a play like that, that's sure to be a web gym and on that show for several days in a row. Kind of like they had to retire the Alex Gordon one after 50 days in a row. That one could be on there for a good long time. Probably won't be quite as long because it's not quite as sexy to the average baseball fan with the, going into the crowd and having the selfie out there. And But, I mean, Escobar... Got to be the best play he's made. The one in Cleveland was amazing. The flip with Omar Infante was amazing. But this one, because it was a double play, and just the the, the facets of it. So, in that sixth inning, after the no-hitter is broken up by Carlos Gomez, Marwin Gonzalez hits what should be a sure base hit against probably 25 teams in Major League Baseball. The Gold Glover, Escobar, there might be a couple other guys, Correa included, who could have made that play at shortstop over their shoulder. I'm not sure, though, that any of them are then able to complete the double play as Eski did because Eski throws like a closer. I mean, he's gunning it upper 90s. And he the, the accuracy from Escobar is phenomenal. Not only does he go over the shoulder and make a catch that probably only a handful of shortstops can make in Major League Baseball, he then gets up within a half second, going away from the infield, turns... Guns a one-hop throw over to first base to get Carlos Gomez in a double play. Got to be his best play. And will that be the best play for him this year? Who knows? Will that be the best play for the Royals this year? Probably not. I mean, it might be, but the Royals play such great defense, I would never put it past them to not duplicate or out-duplicate that tomorrow. Surely, with all these games to go, we'll see plenty more plays like that. And there's just no way to quantify what the defense does for this team, by the way. I mean, you can see with the Astros and with the Twins and the Mets and some of the teams the Royals have played 
what it doesn't do for you, if you don't make the plays, case in point, George Springer, also in that dreaded inning for the Astros when the Royals put up a five spot in the sixth, loses the ball in the LED lights. And we've been hearing throughout the series, he's been struggling ever since they put those in there. He doesn't make the play, the Royals make him pay. Feldman doesn't make the play last night. The Royals make him pay. On and on and on. Minnesota Twins didn't make several plays. Royals made them play. Pay. Not play. Pay. Made them play, too. They probably didn't want to play by the end of that series. On and on. Lucas Duda, World Series. On and on and on and on. You just can't quantify it. There's That's the thing about... I'm starting to really believe that. I mean, about a year ago, I would have told you that the Royals' success is 90% predicated on the bullpen and quote-unquote clutch hitting, whether or not you believe it exists or not. Because the Royals don't have gaudy offensive stats. The Royals don't have a great starting rotation. So the bullpen is an obvious ingredient in their success. We knew that. That's not rocket science. And nor is the defense. I mean, that's not rocket science either. And the Royals are consistently ranked the best in fan metric, not fan metrics, on advanced stat metrics when it comes to defense. But you can't fully measure defense for many reasons. The range is so hard. It's so subjective. It's so subjective because how do you call a play routine versus not routine? A routine play for one guy is not a routine play for another. A great play for one guy is impossible and a base hit for the other. And the thing is the butterfly effect, I always call it. The other thing is you can never tell what's going to happen next. You don't know how many runs a defensive play saves you. We don't know that Escobar play. I mean, Ian Kennedy had the no-hitter broken up there, and that ball drops there. That's a first and second or first and third maybe with Gomez cheating there halfway. Nobody out. You don't know what happens there. I mean, you know, look at Doug Fisher tonight. I'm sure a two outs and nobody home in that sixth inning, even if you would have told somebody ahead of time, well, Springer will misplay a ball and right, you wouldn't have thought it would lead to five runs. You never know what a misplay is going to cost you, and you never know for sure what a play being made saved you. It's impossible because you don't know the cause and effect, the butterfly effect. That's why defense is so hard to quantify, and that's why I keep hearing people tell me, well, it's algorithms and it's, you know, different. You know, Pakoda is not wrong. It's not saying that the Royals are winning because of their defense or that it's wrong because of their defense. What else is it? There's no way the bullpen can be a 20 win difference. This is going to be the third year in a row of Pakoda is 15, 20, 25 wins off on the Royals. So they're not making adjustments. It's got to be the defense that they can't factor into there. It has to be. It has to be. And again, I know that Pakoda is saying in different. Fan metrics, or not, why do I keep saying fan metrics? Advanced metrics, defensive metrics. I know that they say the Royals have the best defense. They're recognizing that. But nobody can tell just how much it saves and how good it is. Jeremy Guthrie told me, one of my buddies, two years ago maybe, him and James Shields had a long talk in the dugout one game, and they both 100% from the bottom of their hearts believe that the starting pitching alone for the Royals, each guy in particular is having half a run saved in his ERA by the Royals defense. A 0.50 by the Royals defense per guy. And that's 900 plus innings. So you do the math. How many runs saved would that be for five guys over 900 innings? A ton. Many games. What, a double, 10 games maybe the Royals defense would save him if that's true? And again, there's no way to prove if that's true because we don't know what would have happened if the play wasn't made. We don't know how to quantify whether a guy... On the Royals can make a play that I mean, you just—it's just impossible. You can't do it. That's the one thing that stats can't measure, and that's a big flaw if you're going to use formulas and use advanced prediction type formulas and prediction type services and call them. You know, for a lot of teams, I suppose that they are pretty accurate. 
But when that's your X factor, the defense, it's just impossible to measure it. So I didn't mean to get off on a rant there, but hopefully you found that semi-interesting there. And maybe you disagree with me. there, you know. And I'm a guy, I'm in the middle. I'm a tweener on this whole thing, on this stats versus scout, old school versus new school. I, 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 am not, I do think a lot of old school stuff is outdated, batting average being one of them, wins and losses, obviously, even ERA to a degree. There's things that are old school that are outdated for sure, but there's also new school stuff that is just ridiculous. That it just, and it doesn't take into account the human element. I will always believe there is such a thing as clutch hitting. Always believe that. I will always believe that there's a, a mental part of baseball and a situation part of baseball. How many years did we see Royals play? Remember Mike Jacobs? All of his home runs came in non-clutch situations. We hit so many home runs when the game was out of reach and didn't count. And he was just loose. Rick Ankio couldn't throw the ball home anymore. Couldn't be a pitcher. It all got in his head. Lucas Duda is a butcher at first base. Probably makes that throw home if it's not game five of the World Series in a must situation. He melts it down. And yes, some of that, as you can say, well, it would have happened anyways. It had nothing to do with the ninth inning in the World Series. He's, he's not a good defensive first baseman. You just said that, Davo. He makes more errors. It has nothing to do with that. Again. Again, agree to disagree. That's true to a degree, but anyway, it, it, the point being that when I get frustrated when these, I, I get frustrated. I do when, when when these advanced stats, these these pakotas, these fan graphs, whatever it may be, when they continually underestimate the Royals, and then people say we can't figure it out, we don't understand. Uh, oh well, they're saying it's the best defense. It can't be that. They're just lucky. There's no such thing as clutch. How many how many years, how many games, how many, you know, what is this? We're going on four or 500 games this current bunch has basically been doing this for? It's getting old. It's getting tired. And I'm just telling you, you can't quantify. People say, and, and I had somebody ask me the other day, how the hell are the Royals just good with their rotation last year? You know what, being in the 20s and, and all of baseball, 12th out of 15 in the, e, in the AL in rotation last year? And I said, that's a good question. You know, largely league average offense throughout the year, a subpar Starting rotation, yes, they've got a great bullpen, but a, a great bullpen can't make you 20 games more than what a projection stat thing already says is the best bullpen. They're already including the best bullpen and the best defense. They're saying you're going to win 75, 76, 72 games. The defense is the difference. The defense, you cannot count and measure the defense. I'm telling you. That is the difference, and that's what makes the Royals world beaters right now. And that's why they will be continue to be good as long as they have this team out there in particular and with players just like it. Dayton Moore, once again, continues to shove the middle finger to a good portion of the new school and a good portion of the baseball industry. He's the new money ball. Make a damn movie about him. Write a book about him. Give him some credit. Billy Bean has lost it. Making, we'll just, I mean, there's no FCC here, dumbass moves. Sending Ryan Madsen for three years. Sending Billy Butler for three years. Trading Brett Lowry with Josh Donaldson. I mean, it's like, there's just, you know, didn't really ever win anything in the playoffs. Where, where's the love for Dayton Moore? A genius. And I didn't think he was a genius three years ago. I thought he was a good GM, but I didn't think he was a genius. None of us did. I did love the James Shields trade at the time. One of the few. I did love the Irvin Santana trade that people mocked at the time. I liked the Jeremy Guthrie trade at the time. You just look on and on and on at what he does. I mean, the trades, it's amazing. The reclamation projects, the trading, the, the you know, the, the Granky trade, the Shields trade, the Davis trade, of course, being the same one. On and on. Back on track to this game here, though. Ian Kennedy, by the way, funny enough, James Shields was lobbying for him with the Royals this offseason and saying, you know, Kennedy, you have no idea how good this defense was. That's another reason I brought that half a run up earlier is – Shields telling him, sign with the Royals. Yes, they're giving you the deal, but even if you know if it's close, sign with the Royals as far as best offer. That defense will save you half a run, he told him. 
And it continues to be true. It, again, it's impossible to prove that because who knows what would have happened next if the, if the play wasn't made by Escobar tonight, for example. But ask the Astros when the play wasn't made by George Springer what happened. All right, also of note, in that next inning, the seventh inning, after Springer misplayed the ball in the sixth, was that Paulo Orlando kind of stuck the middle finger up. I mean, it wasn't, the, it wasn't a catchable ball for Paulo. It's a different play, but Springer was the base runner. The ball was hit in front of Paulo, and he played it perfectly in right field, gunned out Springer, the guy who had misplayed the ball earlier in, in the same position. I thought that was kind of a poetic justice there. Not that I'm wishing bad upon Springer. Seems like a good guy, a great young player, yeah, and he'll continue to get better as the year Goes on. So let's get to that magical ending though on the sixth here, real quick. Paul Orlando, blue pit to right. Esky flies out. Moose flies out. You know, it should have been the third out on the Kane single. And then a five spot happens. You, you give the Royals an inch, they'll take a yard. Hosmer, the biggest hit of the night, by the way. Before that, the Royals had been one for their last 31 with runners in scoring position. Before that, Hosmer hit. He gets the big hit, and the line starts moving. Is that just the law of averages catching up? Probably. Is it? human element and a burden being taken out their shoulders and saying, oh, here we go again. Okay, we're cool. We got three other leaner now. I can get a hit. Now I can. Is it that? Maybe. It's probably more law of average in that situation that the Royals aren't going to continue to go at that. So it, it, that's where I, I debate with myself sometimes when I say the whole human element versus law of averages and predictions. The stats would say that should have happened anyways there. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying it's foolproof, but... Morales doubles, Gordon doubles, Perez singles, 6 nothing. Casey cruises 6-2. to two. Duff gets into some trouble there after an 8-pitch eight 8th. Eight. Struggles there in the ninth. They go to Waiter. 8 pitches after 32 the other night as he retires. Colby Jack Rasmus on a double play. Royals get it done. Much better on offense tonight. Still would like to see more than one walk. And 5 is the strikeout max you would like. If you're not going to walk more than once or twice, three times a game, you don't want to strike out more than 5. In a perfect world. Obviously, that's not going to happen. You're going to strike out 10 some nights and 8 other nights and 1 some nights. You would like to, though, in the mean, be in the 4 to 5 range if you're not going to walk at all. And that's kind of the Royals' forte. So 5 cases, all right. 1 walk, not great. But 6 runs on 13 hits is obviously very good. 2 hits apiece for Moose, Kane, Haas, Gordo, and Fonte. So 5 Royals with 2 hits apiece. Omar off to a quiet, and this is an archaic stat, I know, but a quiet 3-10 you know, start to the season for Omar and Fonte. Doug Fister, what a nice line for the Royals. Five and two-thirds for Fist. Six runs on nine hits, two Ks, no walks. The most important stats, seven and two, your Royals. Three and seven, their Astros. Who I think is, is a, I still think the Astros are the second-best team in the American League. I'm going to stick with that. I, you know, I'm going to give them at least 50 games before I change. This team will be there at the end. This is, this is a statement win for the Royals, you know, as far as the series goes. A three out of four in Houston is huge. We said coming into this road trip, three and four was the base. Four and three was what you wanted. And 5-2 and two was the absolute best case. That's what we said. And now the best case of 5-2 and two looks fairly likely. You've already got the worst case of 3-4 and four guaranteed. And the 4-3, and three, which is what you really want, is almost a guarantee. Winning 1 out of 3 in Oakland would do that. So, wow. I mean, what a start to this road trip. Now, the A's, if you're wondering, I hadn't been following them much. Dug a little bit. Not real deep yet. Oakland is four and six after their loss yesterday. They come off an off day. They played the Angels yesterday. Oakland four and six. Not much of a lineup. Coco Crisp. I mean, for example, on Wednesday, they're two through five. It was Coco Crisp, Josh Reddick, Mr. Steven Vogt, and then you had Danny Valencia hitting fifth. Billy Butler, if you're wondering, was I believe hitting seventh and is off to a very rough start for Oakland. They're not happy with him at all. 
And I mean, there's not much in that lineup. I mean, this series looks like a two out of three for the Royals. And it, it, especially because I feel like they're really going to continue to carry these bats and start hitting and, and keep hitting. I know tonight's just one night. The Saturday in Minnesota, or in KC against Minnesota was one night. I feel like the Royals will carry it over. I like them in this park hitting some gaps in that bigger park. I don't want the, the big foul ball territory, obviously, there, but could work to our favor, too. Eddie and lefty Rich Hill, mostly an NL guy, so the Royals haven't seen him much. Volquez 1-0 with a 1-5-4. Rich Hill 1-1, a 3-1-2 on Jackie Robinson Day. Now, Hill, no Royal has seen him more than three times in their lineup. Six innings, one run, and five hits his last start. Missed a lot of bats. Ten Ks in six innings. But guess what? Volquez had ten his last outing, too. Which means probably go under on the strikeouts. I'll probably like two combined now because I said that. But yeah, Volquez and Hill... Toss-up game tomorrow. It is. Slight of it. I mean, the Royals have to have the edge because of the better team. The bullpen should be pretty much 100% tomorrow. Thanks to Kennedy tonight. Duffy could pitch if he had to. Davis will be fine after throwing eight pitches and having last night off. The other guys got the night off. The bullpen for the Royals is 100% going into tomorrow. Royals will get into Oakland at about 1.30 Pacific Coast time, being their hotels by 2. So, not, you know, game's not until 7. So they'll be pretty rested up. Volquez already out there. Flew ahead. I mean, the Royals are the better team out of the rest of the bullpen. You like them slightly in this game, but it's more of a 50-50. I do, for some reason, and on paper, you got to favor Oakland probably on Saturday, but I do really like Chris Young against Chris Bassett in this match of right-handers. Young and Bassett. And why do I like Young? It's going to make the new school people cringe. Gut feeling. Although they'll like it when I say law of averages a little bit. But gut feeling, you know, young in this ballpark, I like him. A lot of room. I know it, during the day the ball does jump a lot more than it does at night out there. It's a 3 o'clock game on Saturday. Young comes off a rough outing, which he's going to have these outings once every five, six starts. Four and two-thirds, six runs on nine hits against Houston. I like him in this game against a weak Oakland lineup. I'll call him weak. Bassett, no earned runs in seven innings against Seattle with four Ks. Did walk five. I like the Royals on Saturday. I see them splitting those first two for sure. I don't see them losing both of them. Good chance they win both, but they'll at least split. That gets you the four and three no matter what, and then you go into Sunday if you split with a gravy game, either a four and three trip or a tremendous five and two at that point. You would have Chris Medlin, Sonny Gray is going to be tough. Medlin comes off that one outing, five innings, two runs, six Ks against the Astros. Sonny Gray is one and one with a two seven zero. We know how good he is. One of the best young right-handed arms in all of the game. Six and a third, three runs all allowed on a Mike Trout homer his last outing for Gray. Six Ks, three walks. Got to, of course, give the big edge there to the Astros, not the Astros, to the Athletics with Gray going against Medlin. But that's why they play the games. You never know. We'll see. I do like the Royals to win two out of three in this series. I feel like for sure they get one of the first two, if not both. And if not, I feel like they'll pull, pull out that third game. They're the, they're the better team. They should be pretty much rested. They have an off day Monday. So Ned can use all of his horses at least twice this weekend out of the bullpen. And, of course, we've got the defense, which you can never quite quantify how damn good it is. What a fun start to the season for these Royals at 7-2. and two. We'll talk to you again tomorrow night. Be back here throughout the entire weekend on Clubhouse Conversation. Hope you've checked out an interview that we did with Kevin McCarthy from Northwest Arkansas a couple days ago. And today I had a two-hour interview with a guy that most people haven't heard of. I believe he played in, what, seven games, I think, for the Royals back in 1997, September call-up as a catcher. And the Royals signed him and came up through the system for many years. Andy Stewart will join us. And you may say, who's that? Trust me. One of the best interviews. The funniest interview I've ever done out of 
Three, four hundred interviews. No more now. I've probably done 500 interviews. It's, it's the funniest. It's hilarious. Two hours of amazing baseball stories, coincidences, brutal honesty, self-evaluation. It's fascinating to hear this guy talk. I promise you will not want to miss this. Promise. I'm going to talk it up all weekend. You've got to listen to this one. I know you probably don't have time to listen to all of them, but make time to download that and take it with you. It's two hours. You're going to have to download it. I know you can't sit by your computer for two hours and stream it. Take it with you. You're going to love this Andy Stewart interview coming up on Sunday. We'll talk to you tomorrow night. Go Royals.